Welcome in to Locked on Knicks, and we are getting close to the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season. That means that we're getting towards the end of our player preview series, and that continues on today with Derek Rose, and we have a great guest talking about Derek with us. That is Jeremy Cohen. You might know him as at the coincidence on Twitter, spelled like his last name, C-O-H-E-N. Uh, or from Nick's Film School podcast, where he is the uh, co-host, or from some of his work with the Strickland. But Gavin, what do we talk about as far as Derrick Rose? Uh, honestly, as we talked about it more, one of the most intriguing players that we previewed during this series here. Yeah, it's, it's a full-spectrum Derrick Rose conversation, just how good he was last season, whether he can replicate those efforts this year, how he fits with Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, and Kemba Walker, and then finally, what his future is on this team. Will the Knicks ultimately pick up his third-year option? Will he be a trade chip? Will he be a piece that you keep to play with the super team that the Knicks are presumably trying to form? It, it's a fascinating conversation. We get into the past, the present, the future of Derrick Rose right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and we would like to thank you guys for making us your first listen today. Thank you so much for for always coming to Locked On Knicks. We're available on all podcast providers and also soon to be YouTube. I know we keep teasing it coming sometime in the next like week and change i think we want to get it going by the regular season uh but a good second listen if you want to check it out today could be locked on nba we're doing our ultimate season preview and i actually just recorded my part of that for uh the knicks which was we were lumped in with a a group of teams that were called quote-unquote playoff hopefuls which felt a little insulting to me uh mostly it was like can the knicks avoid the play-in which i said yeah absolutely they'll they'll avoid the playing. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Listen to Locked On NBA if you want to hear some great around-the-league previews this week. It's a really big event that we're doing. Uh, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. I'm currently wearing a fresh new uh, Strickland champion hoodie and a Strickland uh, hat while I'm recording this. So if you want to you know, rep the brand, you can always pick those things up. I'm also going to be writing about the Knicks for Clutch Points this year, and uh, that should be really fun. Going to be back in the garden. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we have a fantastic guest today. I've spent so long yammering that I haven't even gotten to him yet. Uh, But we have Jeremy Cohen, who is the co-host of the Knicks Film School podcast, also a contributor for the Strickland, and uh, a rotating co-host of the Strickland Knicks Mail.bag podcast. Jeremy, how are you doing? I I understand you just got back from a uh, vacation in Colorado, which sounds really nice. Are you are you feeling prepared for this upcoming next season? I am. You know, it was a very chill vacation. It was great. Got to see the 
the sights of Denver, Rocky Mountain National Park. Went to Vail for a couple days. Got lucky with the change of scenery. So um, trees were, you know, in full yellow. So it was great. It was beautiful. So I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm ready to go. Knicks are about to be every night. Probably going to, you know, not do much else other than that. So it was nice to get out of the way before the season started. Yeah, I heard. I heard that you had a, a vision quest in the the Rocky Mountains, and uh, your life was forever changed. I did. Yes, uh, I actually met up with Phil Jackson. He came down from Montana, brought some peyote with him, and um, you know, it was beautiful. We you had your Tony Soprano moment, watched the sunrise, all that exactly. Good stuff. Yes, yeah. that that's a hundred percent what happened. Yeah, I, I you know I heard that, and I just wanted to confirm it here on the podcast that that you actually did have your your full on Tony Soprano vision quest. Uh, all right, we are we are talking today about Derek Rose continuing our player previews, actually kind of racing the clock here, finishing these up before the season starts, uh, which I don't know how that happened. We started like a month ago, but anyway, so much good stuff to talk about lately. Uh, but so we're talking about Derek Rose today, obviously a huge impact on the Knicks last year. He got traded to the team and the team performed just a ton better once he got here. Um, they were under 500 when he arrived, they end the season as the four seed. And I mean, he provided, even though he wasn't starting for the majority of his time, he provided so much of a spark off the bench and closing games that it just, it it was like a, the shot in the arm that the Knicks needed with all the point guard troubles that they had last year and have had for the last, however many years, kind of funny because the last time that he was here. Uh, Derek Rose did not really impress very much. He was, he seemed sort of, uh, like he wasn't really playing team ball. You know, he seemed more concerned, at least in my opinion, with, uh, gathering stats and proving that he was still as good as he once was in Chicago, uh, after feeling kind of scorned by them trading him. Uh, and you know, I I think this time around he took on more of a mentorship role. We've seen that already sort of playing out here in, in training camp. And then in the preseason where he's basically said, I don't care how many minutes I play. I just want to help the team win. I want to guide these young players along. He said specifically last year, you know, I don't want to be viewed as like I'm coming in here and, uh, you know, trying to take anything away from quickly um, and stuff like that. So, Jeremy, I don't know. I mean, I guess a good starting point would maybe be like, what, what, what was your thoughts when the Knicks acquired him last year? And then what were your thoughts as time went on? You know, how did you like unlearn what you thought you knew about Derrick Rose from his first time around and sort of come around on the current version of him? That's a great question because I was staunchly against the idea of Rose coming back. And so much so to the point where when there was a rumor about a three team deal, I had tweeted about like, yeah, if it's a three team deal, let's just make sure the Knicks are not acquiring Derrick Rose and getting something else in return. Because by that point, you know, it's 20 or so games in, I kind of was just that whole season I accepted anything goes right. And and when the Knicks were like not really in the playoff picture, I thought, okay, just go for a better pick. And uh, yeah, so I, I tweeted about it, even got picked up in an SNY video. And then looking back, it's like, you idiot. That was the stupidest thing you could have said because now I'm, you know, I'm all in on the idea of Derek Rose being there and we saw the presence. I mean, the Knicks were a 50 plus, or they were on a 50-plus win pace when Derrick Rose was playing games. And kind of going into this offseason, you know, I the Knicks clearly had a hole at the starting point guard position. And I know a lot of people had talked about the idea of Derrick Rose starting because he had had, 
you know, the playoff experience starting um, when Alfred Payton just couldn't cut it anymore. And the Knicks just had to bail on, on that whole experience. But to me, it was always like, you know, this is a guy who 75% of the games he had played since his last stint in New York were off the bench. And it just felt like taking, you know, a square peg and trying to fit it into a circular hole. It just didn't really make sense to me. I thought this is a great backup point guard, someone you can rely on, but he's not going to be the starting point guard. Um, and sure enough, I mean, who would have thought Kemba Walker would be available? And he was, and he's clearly an upgrade and Rose gets to be in that bench unit that at least that four man unit. And hopefully Noel will play in that more because it means Mitchell Robinson is healthy. But I mean, he's, he's Alex, as you said, in terms of mentorship with Jericho Sims and just in general, you can see the presence. He's such a well-respected player. I, I love the fact that he's back and I also, you know, the contract itself, it's fine. I think that the, it's, it was the going rate. It was the max they could have given him without dipping into cap space anyway. But that was kind of in line with some of the other six man of the year candidates uh, or what they probably should be getting. Uh, and the contract structure itself, you know, having a third year that's guaranteed, I think, or non-guaranteed, excuse me, I think that's crucial. So um was pleasantly surprised, incredibly surprised, really, to be wrong in the beginning and um, just happy he's, he's back and where he belongs. Yeah, Jeremy, if it makes you feel any better, it'll probably make you feel worse. But I, I was in the exact same boat as you. I was I was vehemently against it. I, I was saying, um, and I mean, it, part of it was if they were going to give up anything of significance, which I, I deemed Frank Nilakina in that category at that time. And, and of course, mm-hmm. that did not happen. And then like once they made the trade, I was like, all right, but I think this guy is just going to like suck minutes and be inefficient and kind of bog down what the Knicks had going on. And to your point, it ended up being the total opposite where he was pretty much exactly what they needed and like one of the better like mid-season acquisitions like it won't be considered as such like when you look back on the last 10 years of the NBA just because the Knicks were were never going to be a title contender but in terms of positive impact on a team at a low cost like I can't think of too many moves in in recent NBA history that were of equivalent value like he he just transformed what the Knicks were and I've said it a couple times but by the end of the season clearly their second best player through the playoffs, clearly their best player, which is, is, is crazy, crazy thing to say about Derek Rose for a guy that was on the Knicks literally five years ago and looked completely washed at that point. But um, like he's, he's on, he's on whatever Taj Gibson is on because he, he completely um, like, he, again, like he wasn't getting to the free throw line, like he was a younger player, but reinvigorated a lot of the best parts of his game and had new elements to his game to compensate for anything he missed. Like he, he shot absurdly well on floaters. It felt like over the final 15 games in the season, including the playoffs, he was something like 90% on floaters. That, that is not a research stat. That, that is pure gut feel, but it, it seemed automatic. A guy who was a career 31% three-point shooter, and before last year only had one previous season above 34%, shot 39% overall, 41% while he was on the Knicks. And I guess my question is, can he rep, like how much of that is replicable? Like The shooting just seems like such an outlier from everything we've seen from him previously, he's had all those injuries. You got to figure the athleticism is going to start declining at some point. I, I don't see a world where he suddenly starts getting to the free throw line a ton again because he's really trying to protect himself. At the same time, to your point, I, I think the fact that the Knicks do have Kemba and there'll be less of those nights where for, for Tibbs to get a, a win, for the Knicks to have good playoff position, he's going to have to play 35 minutes when Elf or whoever was starting a point guard just didn't have it. 
Like I think that will ultimately good be good in terms of preserving him. But I'm I'm fascinated to see if he can find the same overall success this year, or or maybe similar similar efficiency, less volume. What, what, what's sort of your feel on, on what he can bring this season? Yeah, no, I mean it's the sort of thing where the mid range he was certainly red hot, and I don't know how replicable re- replicable that could be. But also when you look at kind of recent history, uh, he did, he's done very well from that. If anything, I feel like uh, his attempts at the rim, you know, his accuracy there was so low compared to where it's been before, where I'm wondering, is that even going to bounce back? And, you know, maybe it evens out, but there is always the risk of injury as well. You know, I mean, Rose played 35 games or so last year and in the regular season, and he was acquired, I think, after it's like game 25 or something. I know it was around the Super Bowl. Uh, where it happened. But I mean, to think that he missed games with injury and with COVID. So I guess it's the sort of thing where I think that just based on the amount of time he'll be playing, it'll all still be worth it. And I know a few moments ago I had said where he belongs. I think this year, 100% uh, moving forward, I mean, we could talk about that, but uh, it's the sort of thing where I think it's very easy to see him coming back to earth in certain capacities because, you know, this is a guy who has a lot of wear and tear and he is 33 years old but it doesn't mean that he can't do enough to help you know iq and ob i guess even alec burks as well but i think they can all lift each other up in that sense and i don't know i mean again preseason is so weird but with this most recent game against the wizards like i buy it i buy the shooting especially from deep and it's just so funny as gavin you were saying how he wasn't a three-point shooter and now it's pretty crazy that he has a respectable shot from there. And I guess I think the, how do I phrase this? How do I phrase this? The, the outside shooting, I buy it. Um, but I, I still, I don't know. just part of me really thinks that he can get back to where he was in terms of finishing, because I think that can be his bread and butter in a lot of ways. And especially if IQ isn't creating that type of penetration where he's settling for floaters more and the Knicks really need someone who can drive and absorb contact. I think that can be Rose. The only problem is by absorbing contact for someone like him, you wonder, is there going to be this risk of injury? Like he seemed fine with the Wizards game and yet he did wind up, it seemed like his ankle or some lower leg um, ailment. So um, you just kind of have to hold your breath, unfortunately, for a lot of it. But I, I do think that there might be an uptick there. All right, we're going to take our first break. This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. And in 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. Made no sense. It required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game every week, for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work are also over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and much more. And all that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you play Redraft, Keeper, or Dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. And let me tell you, I, I've been using Sleeper for the last four years, I believe, for my fantasy football league. 
and their dynasty settings are fantastic. If you decide that you want to play a, uh, a dynasty league with game picks through sleeper, I don't think you'll regret it because they have so many great tools in the app. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. And if you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And with that, we are back with Jeremy Cohen to continue this fantastic Derek Rose conversation. But first, we wanted to remind you, or rather thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including soon YouTube. Yeah, I do feel, I mean, I feel like maybe he'll reclaim a little bit of his former glory there as far as getting to the rim and finishing there. I think the big thing with Rose at this point, though, and, you know, you could say the same of a lot of the guys on the Knicks, which is probably why they were able to mostly avoid the injury bug last year is ironically for how, how above the rim Rose used to play. I mean, Rose was uh, it, in his, in his early days, he was basically like a better John Morant, you know, like he was sprinting the floor, going for dunks that were like completely insane, you know, and as we saw putting himself in harm's way all the time by jumping like 10 feet in the air and, you know, opening himself up to landing awkwardly and potentially tearing an ACL or, or you know, messing up his knee in one way or another. And he did a number of times. And now, you know, he's kind of reached this point in his career where I think that he plays a lot more groundbound. And, you know, that's, like I said, that's a common theme among the Knicks. Like, R.J. Barrett kind of plays that way, despite actually being a lot better athlete than he looks like uh, on the floor a lot of times. Julius Randle is obviously a phenomenal athlete. And has plenty of ups if you see him go for dunks and stuff, but just spares himself that more often than not to preserve his body. And, you know, that's just kind of a a theme among this team. And I I do think that he can strike a balance there where he gets to the rim, but doesn't really put his body on the line like that. And I think maybe that's what we'll see this year. Um, You know, is the, the version of Rose, like we saw it a number of times last year too, where he still got that, that burst of speed to get to the rim. But now, he looks, you know, instead of going right at the defense and maybe taking some contact from a big or whatever, he he'll more often look to go for a euro or maybe take a, uh, you know, a, a floater from you know seven eight feet back or something like that to save the contact there, which he's gotten pretty accurate with, um, or you know just go for the reverse and use the rim as his, you know, as as his uh, guy to protect him from the defender there. Um, and, you know, allow him to get that layup off cleanly. But I think the effect is there no matter what, you know, so even if he's not going up for those layups and stuff, and even if, you know, ultimately we, we look at it and on his field goal percentage, it doesn't look as good, but he's taking a large number of floaters and hitting roughly 50% of them that don't show up as at the rim attempts. I think the effect will still be there because even if he's going up for a floater, he'll be able to kick it out to shooters. And the big thing that we've seen so far 
in preseason is that the Knicks have shooters on shooters on shooters on shooters, and they're going to shoot a lot of three pointers this year. And Rose, just like you know, just like you have a number of different guys in the starting lineup that can potentially be the driver of that uh, with their driving, like Kemba Walker, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, if you set him a quick screen, uh, even Evan Fournier with a quick screen or just a little a little hezzy at the top can get into the lane and, and create those kickouts. Rose, to your point, Jeremy, is sort of the only guy that really truly possesses that skill set to do that solo on the the bench unit. And so I think that he's going to, well, other than maybe Alec Burks, um, but, but Burks is so much less credible of a threat once he gets inside like that, that I feel like even though he has the, the skill set to break down the defense on the outside by himself, he he's better served using it to then take a shot rather than uh, get inside, even if it's a mid range shot, because I just honestly think that's a better part of his game. Um, but like, yeah, where, where do you stand with that? I mean, with the, the difference in his play style now, because I, I even notice a difference from, again, you know, it's it's interesting to compare him to when he was with the Knicks the first time, when I feel like a lot of that time, you know, he was trying to be extra with everything that he was doing. And even though you could see that some of his athleticism had diminished some, he was still trying to prove like, I still got it. I can still get up, you know, I can still jump. I can still run real fast. I can do all the things I did in Chicago. And like, they were wrong for trading me. Whereas this time around, it was kind of more like, you know, yeah, I I can still do this stuff. Like, I think we saw him dunk one time last year uh, on like a breakaway. And so every once in a while, he'll bust that out just to remind you that he can. But by and large, he opts not to do that now to, to stay healthy. It feels, it feels a lot like finesse in a lot of ways to me. Um, just in the sense that he can, like, yes, he can do these things, but if anything, if he doesn't have the athleticism anywhere near the athleticism, of course, where he did when he first got into the league, but he also didn't have the kind of the savvy basketball intelligence that he's been able to build up over time. And, you know, it was one of the things where just to kind of go back to Jericho Sims, when that article came out and he talked to Sims about like, you know, I'm kind of unpredictable when I have the ball I mean, he meant it, you know, I thought the most creative way possible where, you know, he can just surprise other teams in so many different ways that in order to have a good pick and roll partner, or at least if, if uh, Sims is going to run to the basket, at least find a way for that to work out. And because he can beat you in so many different ways, his ability to have that threat. And also, again, he's a great passer. So when you see all these guys, I mean, Alex, as you said, shooters on shooters on shooters, when you have... Uh, spot up players who you know can catch and shoot really well too it helps a lot it helps expand quite a bit it gives you more space if you're Derek Rose so I think that just the ability for him to mature and be a different kind of shade than what he was before um, because yeah it seemed when he was with the Knicks that first year or the, the loan year it was very much just a contract season. Maybe it's revenge. It's playing in a triangle system. It's Jeff Hornacek wants me to shoot threes, and I don't want to do that because I have a contract year right now, and uh, I'm not very good at shooting threes, so why would I harm what I can do? and Or, or at least what I can receive. And the buy-in, having Tibbs there as well in that role, you know, again, not having him be a starter, I think all of that is so imperative to the work he can do. And you know, there are going to be nights where... I wouldn't be shocked that he's playing 25 minutes, but I could also just see him getting 
as low as 15 for certain events based on a plethora of other things. But um, his presence just kind of to anchor that second unit and just as he's grown as a player, it's just so important. All right, we're going to take our second break. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And did you know Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? If you're a consistent Locked On Knicks user or listener, I should say, uh, of course you know that. Of course you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors. But let me just tell you about my two favorite anyway. There is coconut and cookies and cream. That's part of their lineup of 10 regular flavors that are around all the time. But those two are my favorite. They remind me of two of my favorite candy bars, which is Mounds Bars and Almond Joys with the coconut variety. And then Cookies and Cream reminds me a lot of a Hershey's Cookies and Cream bar, but as if it was covered in regular chocolate, which like, how do you make chocolate better? You cover it in more chocolate. So phenomenal tasting bars. They taste just like candy bars, but luckily they don't give you that guilt of eating a candy bar. That's because Built Bars are good for you. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar, calories ranging from only 130 to 180 per bar, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a better ratio of pure protein to low sugar, low carbs with pretty much any other protein bar. And certainly, Built Bars do not have all the fillers and all the, the rice puffs and whatever other stuff that all these other bars are putting in to try to just fill it out. It's all just pure protein. It's chewy, it's delicious, it's covered in chocolate. You're going to love it. If you want to get some for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Yeah, I'm curious what you guys think the dynamic is going to be like between him and Quickly last year. Obviously, those two had an immense amount of success last year. The three-man lineup of him, Quickly, and Burks, plus 12 per 100 possessions a year ago. And it feels like Quickly, we we talked about this a little bit in the last pod that I did with Ariel, but it feels like Quickly's certainly made a leap in terms of his passing, right? And his his ability to manipulate a defense, look off a guy one way to set up a pass that he knows is coming like in two seconds in the opposite direction, like fully leverage his three-point shooting. Like and, and I don't know if that means like quickly this year is is a star or like or like maybe the more minute version of a star, like a six man of the year candidate. But it, it certainly means that he I or it certainly seems like he's a more advanced version of the same player he was last year. And I'm wondering if by letting Derrick Rose, and not, not that Derrick Rose did this a year ago, but like letting him like really dictate the offense and dominate the basketball, if you're taking any of that away from quickly, or is it sort of similar to like, and, and this is a conversation we've had with RJ Barrett with the starters, where quickly's abilities just get emphasized by the fact that he's going to get it to attack a tilted defense, thanks to Derrick Rose, and all that like gravity that he has and all like the twitchiness that like it literally in summer league was making defenders jump out of their shoes, trying to anticipate like when he was going to try and blow by them 30 feet away from the rim. Maybe it just gets that much harder when, when there are guys off the ball and further away. But Jeremy, I'm fascinated to, to hear what you think in terms of how that will impact quickly's development and, and whether, I mean, I, I don't know, it's almost like turning the video game down a level, like making it that much easier will be good for him. I, I think pretty obviously it'll be very good for the Knicks. And then if you want to get into it, I'm also, I'm, and, and Alex, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like, I'm wondering if you guys think there's a world where he closes games on certain nights with Kemba Walker, whether because R.J. Barrett or Evan Fournier is injured or just having an off night. But 
I, I know a year ago we, we'd occasionally see Quickly and Rose together at the end of the games. I don't really think we got a lot of Rose and Peyton, but that was mostly just because Peyton was never really good enough to close games the second half of the year. Um, but th- that to me is also like kind of a similar dynamic. But anyways, lo- long-winded question on like how he'll play with the other point guards. No, I completely agree. And you know, I mean, I'm not losing any sleep over Emmanuel Quickly and his playing time. And I think Tibbs proclaiming or professing his love for Quickly kind of. Uh, solidified that as well so that's i quickly is pretty much the reason why i was thinking if rose is you know on some nights playing several minutes and several nights not really doing that and i think the reason why he wouldn't be doing that as much is probably because of quickly's presence but when they're playing together uh yeah i mean we we saw success and i just don't think that's going to stop especially when you consider that quickly himself is a year older and then you've got Toppin, who's older too um i think alec burke's still in his prime that sort of thing. But yes, taking the the focus away where I don't think I'm at the point where, I don't know if I can say that. In terms of with quickly running an offense, he's going to get there. I just don't know if it's going to be the full step this season or kind of a half step in that direction. And maybe it's the third year where typically guys kind of take off a little bit more. That's where he thrives. But at least here, you know, I mean, I feel like the whole dynamic of, oh, he's not a point guard is, you know, he's this, he's that. It doesn't really matter to me. The bottom line is he's got the makings of a really good NBA player who can score, shoot, uh, pass, make plays. I I think really if he's just absorbing more contact, then that's great. But yes, like if you're having Emmanuel quickly also serving again in in somewhat of a spot up role, I I think it kind of reduces him a little bit, but he's still going to be twitchy enough and, and, you know, put the ball on the floor and create plays for himself and, and for others. But having Rose there, that presence, I, you know, Maybe moving forward as the years go by, quickly doesn't need to have a player like Rose. It's a luxury if he has someone like him. But once he, you know, kind of matures even more so and is even more closer towards his his prime, which again, a few years from now, certainly, but as he's going up that that um slope, he may not need someone like Rose. But right now I think it's great for his development, uh, for exactly the reason you said. Yeah, I, I kind of feel similar to Jeremy in that respect. Um, and, and Jeremy, I'll, I'll throw back to you in a second about sort of like minutes distribution and stuff too. Cause I think there's something interesting there, although you sort of touched on it. Um, but I, you know, I kind of, I feel the same way about the quickly's role versus Rose's role. We've seen so far in preseason, there's definitely been a concerted effort to have certain times where quickly is initiating the offense and not Rose and Rose seems totally cool with that. You know, we saw through how he played with Randall last year that Rose can be a really credible spot-up three-point shooter at this point in his career and deserves respect as a spot-up three-point shooter. So it's not like earlier in his career, even his first stint with the Knicks, where if he was on the perimeter without the ball in his hands, you'd be like, well, shit, that basically means he's useless. (laughs) You know, this very important, very high, high paid whatever player, you know, is essentially not doing anything for us unless he has the ball in his hands. And that's not the case anymore. You know, he's added so much to his game. I think he's, I think he's gotten better on defense the older he's gotten. I mean, there were sometimes legitimately last year where I thought he was one of the best defenders on the floor for the Knicks at various stretches of the season. Um, so he, he does so much now that you have that luxury of kind of giving quickly his in-game tryouts for lead guard every once in a while. And, you know, I think that you're going to, run into some situations where maybe quickly doesn't have it going some nights and 
you know, it's easy to forget because he had a really good rookie season, but there were those, I mean, quickly had some truly, truly just abominable stretches last year mm-hmm. where he was, you know, it seemed like he couldn't make anything for about seven, eight games. You know, he would shoot. I, I think there was one game where he shot something like one of 10 or one of 12 from three. And I mean, there's going to be those stinkers every once in a while. We even saw it during summer league where sometimes he just doesn't have it from the three point line. And, you know, so maybe that'll be part of what plays into it. Maybe it'll be that he just, the floater's not going. So the pick and roll game isn't working well for him or something like that. Um, and, you know, you'll end up having Rose getting, you know, soaking up more of those like quote unquote point guard minutes. Um, so, you know, I'm all in all though, whatever the result is, I think that quickly is going to continue getting better. I think he works too hard not to get better. It's kind of the same thing that I say about like RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin and a number of guys on this team where I just can't really, I can't really see any of them failing in the sense of like being out of the league or something. Or I mean, with RJ, it's even higher than that, but you know, like quickly at this point, I don't see any world where he's anything, anything less at his peak than like a, Lou Williams light or something like that, you know, maybe he, or a J.R. Smith light, you know, where he maybe doesn't win a six man of the year award, but is always, he's always, always, always going to be a guy that can get you like 15 points off the bench, um, you know, in the, in the drop of a hat and, you know, like single-handedly save your offense off the bench. Um, and so, you know, how that breaks down with Rose this year is not a huge concern to me. What I think is a little more interesting that we haven't talked as much about yet is in per, as it pertains to playing time and all that stuff. I think we could pretty safely say that like on a, in a game where the Knicks are fully healthy and everything else, I think, you know, Tibbs is going to want to play Kemba Walker like 30 minutes in, in any given game. And so that would leave Rose. If he strictly plays the quote unquote point guard spot, 18 minutes. And there were times where Rose last year, and I mean, I'm sure you don't want to do this, but where he was playing like 35 to 40 minutes a game and was a huge part of what the team was doing. And I do think there are going to be some games where he plays so well that he will be a huge part of what the team is doing. But I think that there are going to be some times where that's going to mean that he has to play with Kemba Walker. And I, you know, I just said, like, I think Derek Rose had one of his best defensive years of his career last year. Uh, with the Knicks, and that was part of what made him such a great fit with that bench unit was just the the ferociousness that he played that point guard defense with. But I, I start to question a little bit just how effective he and Kemba Walker could potentially be together if they're like closing games together, if they happen to be the two best players, and maybe you end up sitting Fournier or RJ Barrett or something like that down the stretch. Um, you know, if if Rose is really hot and you want to get Kemba back in there because he was hot. And you want to have both them on the floor. I mean, I just I feel like for Rose to get the amount of minutes that he's probably that he's expecting and the Tibbs is expecting and that the front office is expecting for him to get with his new price tag, I, I feel like he's gonna to have to play some two with Kemba at the one. So Jeremy, how do you A, how how many minutes do you think that they might try to pull off like that? Do you think there's a limit to how many minutes you can get away with playing those two? And then just, I guess that would dovetail perfectly into just how good do you think the fit could potentially be if you have some scenarios where you have Kemba and Rose sharing the floor together down the stretch of games. I feel like my biggest question with that tandem is how often are both of them going to be healthy enough to even play together, let alone in the same game. And I hope it's 
frequently, at least because it would mean that they're both healthy. But in in terms of closing games, you know, I think I would say that, you know, Rose played almost 27 minutes per game. And as you talked about, I think because of Alfred Payton, just those games where he played in the 30s, they're not going to be as common. And I'm hoping that Tibbs sees the longevity factor where maybe playing Rose for, I don't know, 22, 23 minutes a game, but keeping him a little bit fresher, that kind of pays greater dividends. Uh, With that said, it's not like, you know, if he plays 38 minutes, he's more likely to get hurt. I, I mean, you know, of course, the more minutes you play, sure, the more likely you could be towards injury, but you know, it could happen. He, he could have played four minutes in this preseason game and something could have happened. So I think the biggest thing with him is just kind of keeping him as young as possible. And that's why I'd like to see him and quickly play a similar amount of minutes. I think quickly played a little over 19. So, you know, it doesn't have to be perfectly even, but maybe it's, I don't know, Rose playing 24 minutes and quickly playing 22, something like that, where you can find that opportunity but yes, I think in terms of closing games, I think that I, you know, based on kind of the the two-way play, Rose did do a better job defensively than I would have thought, which is great. But I mean, when you're seeing someone like RJ in terms of how he's locking up a player like Bradley Beal, again, preseason, totally get it. But to kind of go through that risk of if you're rolling out Kemba and Rose and Fournier, then you're making a choice defensively where it's like, okay, need all these guys to lock in, need Julius Randle to really be at his best. And oh yeah, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, you are always going to be the last line of defense, but you need to bring more of your A game because look what's in front of you. So, you know, I I don't think that they'll play that frequently. I think there will be times certainly where, be it uh, a hot shooting hand from Rose or maybe someone's in foul trouble, whatever that might be where it happens. But I don't know. I just, it would surprise me is all. Uh, I I just feel like a lot of Rose's minutes last season were again, because of necessity and the Knicks are blessed to be in a position where it's not full need. A lot of it is just rolling with the hot hand. And I just don't know how often that'll happen enough for Rose to close games, especially with Kemba. Um, I'm curious to see, we we talk about him and quickly a lot, but he was, incredibly good for Obi Toppin's development a year ago, seemingly both as a locker room influence and on the court. And I'm fascinated to uh, uh, to watch just how much they're used together in pick and roll. It, it was noted in um, Knicks Media Day that Nerlens Noel mentioned the Knicks were really driving home to him the importance of working on his corner three for this year. I, I don't, I'm assuming that won't actually be a thing, but if Nerlens can provide like, I don't know, just just get this opposing center to come a bit out of the lane. Like I I think that could potentially be a really deadly combination as well. And I I wonder if there's like a little bit of a cascading effect of, I mean, I I guess Kemba like pretty much makes up for this, but of like Rose not getting to play with like Randall and RJ because those guys as the year went on developed a, a pretty uh, nice chemistry. But uh, this is a, at least last question I have on my end, Um, looking 
down the road, Jeremy, because I know you're, you're a big contract guy. Like how, how likely would you, would you pin it in kind of an impossible question because Rose could suffer like a catastrophic injury at any point in the next two years and it wouldn't really shock anyone. And, and that would sort of be the end of it, this discussion. But I wonder how likely you think it is that they'll ultimately pick up that third year option on him because that, that is obviously the summer or seemingly the summer the Knicks are, are targeting to like get back into like big picture free agency type moves. I think most people would presume that the Knicks would make a quote unquote star trade before then. And Rose seems like the kind of guy that you, you definitely keep in that deal to to complement your new super team versus like a, someone that a rebuilding team would want um but i am I, I guess i guess the big picture question is like what you think his future ultimately is on the knicks and and i have to figure that quickly as you just mentioned fits into that conversation like if he continues to ascend and you get to a point where you're like all right we have a we have a budding star in our hands maybe and, and obviously kemba walker's part of that combo as well um but maybe you don't want two guys ahead of him handling the ball yeah, you know, I try to stay in the moment, but um, as I mean, Alex can certainly attest that just doesn't happen where I think way too far ahead. And with Rose, that's certainly no exception. Yes. Think forward, Jeremy. Stop, yeah, stop yeah. being uh, present. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, here's this is the gist of it, right? Uh, the Knicks, it's no secret, are going to at some point trade for a star. They have the assets to do it and the picks, the players, the contracts. When you look at the contracts in terms of what you can send out. You know, Julius Randle, he's not going anywhere. Kind of like the meat of the trade filler, it could be Evan Fournier. He's making $18 million, not this upcoming season, but in the season following. Um, that's certainly something to send out. And then you also have Derek Rose, who after this year will be making $14.5 million. So to me, it's kind of always been, especially with that third year being the team option, or non-guaranteed, I guess, it's always kind of been like, this is the last year. And if it's not the last year, next year's the last year. Because I don't know how many players are of value moving forward that aren't RJ Barrett or Julius Randle and also fit the bill of able to be flipped. And that's kind of where Rose comes into play, where he can still play. But if he can't, then you have a very good out clause and maybe you're pairing him with Alec Burks. Um, maybe you're throwing Nerlens Noel in there. My mindset has kind of been that, you know, maybe draft day next year. What happens is that the Knicks are comfortable keeping Kemba and shifting him into more of a um, kind of the Derrick Rose role. And by doing that, they have improved. They've gotten someone who is younger. Um, I mean, again, Derrick Rose next year is going to be 34 years old. And... I think as fans, you know, we all collectively love these players and I'm, I'm no different. I, you know, the whole big 15 and that mindset of keeping every guy you can, it's great. But I also look at Taj Gibson and I think, you know, hopefully he doesn't turn to dust at any point, but yeah, that's like $5 million that you could send out if you had to don't want to, but if you had to, that's basically why you give him the room exception. And I think Derek Rose is, very similar in that vein. So while I would love to keep everyone, the harsh reality is that the Knicks are going to look for avenues to get better. And again, unless you're including Evan Fournier, who I, I don't know why you necessarily would, unless you're trading for a wing in return, Derek Rose is kind of like that position, that factor. I think also that player where you can kind of, you can treat him with a little bit more respect 
Like you wouldn't send him off to, you know, a place like Orlando or OKC where he would just finish out his career. I think there would be some sort of inner workings of, of where he goes, but the reality is that it's also just a business and Derek Rose signed a great contract. He's going to get paid at least 28, almost million dollars. Uh, hopefully he gets more because it means he's healthy, but you know, if the obstacle of getting a star is Derek Rose, then I think the answer is pretty apparent. Wow. Very sobering. So basically Jeremy hates Derek Rose and wants to show That's the away. gist of it. Just like I hate Mitchell Robinson. Um, <laughs> like any other player, really. Jeremy, I kind of thought you were a Nets fan for a while, but this is just confirmation. Well, I am actually. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you, I'm actually, been, you, you know, you did spend a lot of time in New Jersey. You know, I, I know this for a fact. So That's true. Yeah. I did used to live in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. I'm actually trying to figure out a way for doctors to take the vaccine out of me in solidarity with Kyrie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, they're working on it. They're, they they're doing, uh, you know, RNA de-splicers, you mm-hmm. know, or something to, you know, to take that. I think we'll find a cure for getting it out of me <laughs> is what um, we're saying. Guys, on, on a flat earth, anything is possible. That's true. <laughs> as, as sure as the earth is flat, we will learn how to how to uh, disassociate the vaccine with ourselves. <laughs> um, anyway, all right, uh, get your vaccines, people, if you haven't already. Uh, we haven't made a PSA of that recently, so get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, it's not for you; it's for everybody else. Um, anyway, Jeremy, yeah, I don't have too much to add to that because I do agree. I think that. I think Rose is probably, you know, there is a decent chance that he is that chunk of salary that eventually goes out for a a star trade. I, I think there's also a world where maybe they hold on to him and they instead sub in like Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel if they can pull that off. And, you know, it, that is if they feel like they're confident in Mitch to hold it down at center. Or maybe, I mean, I don't like this trade idea, but maybe you're trading for Call Anthony Towns or something. And then you say, okay, you can have Mitch and then we'll give you Noel too because salary and then we'll give you Burks because salary and then you're like most of the way there and then you could find some ways to piece that together. But you probably need to include like Obi or something in that trade too, um, which would make it work. The one thing I do want to add is, I mean, to me, Obi is kind of like in that vein as well with Rose where it's like, love Obi, but the Knicks just signed Julius Randle and they're committed to him and how many minutes is he really going to get? Because mm-hmm. I think Obi can do a really nice job this year. And instead of being trade filler, he is actually trade, an asset. A trade piece. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if you, if it's draft night, right. Uh, and I keep going back to it. Cause again, I think at some point the Knicks do have to consolidate. And maybe if they're trading a lot of picks, they start with this year's pick. Uh, who knows where it's at? But if you were to do that, right. If you have Derek Rose and Obi Toppin together, then you're already at $18.5 million and you really just need to get another 13 in order to get over the hump to getting a player like Dame. And if you do that, I mean, you add Alec Burks into the mix. Cool. Now you're basically just 4 million away. So they, they can easily figure out ways to mix and match. It's just, there are a couple guys where looking at the finances of it all. I mean, there, you know, anyone probably is up for grabs except for Randall and hopefully RJ. But in terms of the mixing and matching, there's some very likely candidates, and I can't help but feel like one, two is Rose and Obi. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I almost wonder if Kemba will be semi in the discussion of 
untradeable just because of, he's such a, on such a good value contract for these mm-hmm. two years. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I think it's if you're looking at the team, pretty much anybody is is on the table except for those two, arguably those three. Um, when you when you get right down to it, and that includes other guys we we've talked about in the show briefly, you know, Mitch and quickly and and the two rookies that we didn't even really touch on and all that stuff so yeah interesting stuff but that's a whole different show talking about potential trades maybe we'll revisit this before the trade deadline with you jeremy although hopefully it doesn't take that long uh, until we're speaking on here again but uh i think it's about time to wrap up this derrick rose show before we get into the realm of the depressing and start uh actually making trades for him to send him away when we should all be looking forward to seeing him play at this particular moment uh, with the regular season right around the corner. So why don't we wrap this up and you can tell everybody where to find you online, where to find your work and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, the coincidence, T H E C O H E N C I D E N C E. Um, as Alex said earlier in the podcast, you can find me on Nick's Film School or the Strickland, I guess, and the Strickland. Um, what's really cool is both organizations have Patreons. So if you have not signed up for either of those and you like the content for both, let's say both, um, go right ahead. You know, every little bit helps. There are some phenomenal people at both organizations who work their tails off and, um, it's really great to to see the rewards that are you know for time and investment and um, it's just really reassuring. So um, I'll plug that, and I think that's that's probably it for me. Also, both have merch stores, and I, I'm not a hundred percent suggesting that people do this, but the thought just came to my head: like you could probably buy a Nick's Film School shirt and then buy a Strickland shirt, and then cut both of them in half and then sew them together and make a Franken shirt. I like uh, that. to support both brands. That would be kind of fun. So maybe I'll maybe I'll contract someone to do that. Ooh, that um, could be good. Yeah, I still yeah. wear my RJ hoodie almost everywhere I go. It's yeah, it's pretty fit. You know, I was wearing that, and then I just got this sweet new tie dye one, and Ooh. now I kind of dig this one. It's got an embroidered Strickland logo on it and stuff. Anyway, read the Strickland, support Strickland on Patreon. Also, do the same thing for Nick's Film School, which you could also go to the Substack and subscribe to Macri's newsletter. Uh, or just view them on YouTube, just like you'll be able to view Locked on Knicks on YouTube soon. Anyway, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on, dude, and uh, and talking with us about Derrick Rose. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure you won't be a stranger, and we'll be talking to you again soon, uh, sometime throughout the season. Sounds great. Thank you. <laughs>